Lanza. The whole crew is back. How about that? We got so fresh off. I don't know. The Rams must be on a bye week. I know Puka's been absolutely tearing it up in uh, for the Rams. One of the top wide receivers in the NFL. Okay, that's different Puka. Fair enough. This guy's a hockey guy. He does have the, maybe that Puka, was it Puka Nakua, right? Maybe he wears a visor too. I'm not really sure, but we got visors back. But uh, first of all, how's everybody doing? Bert, uh, in, big week this week, Bert. Big week this yep. week. Big yep. week. Uh, football, Packers, Vikings, both of them suck. The Vikings, uh, the stars aligned and they actually beat the Niners. A little bit confident, but. I guess we'll start with you, Bert. Uh, doing anything fun and exciting this this past weekend, or just uh, watch the racing online? Uh this well, I watched the race online, but uh, I bought a new used vehicle because my my car um, decided it didn't want to move, and it was only I was only ten thousand miles away from three hundred thousand, and it something with the transmission, so it could be fixed, but I'm not sticking money into it so uh, you're kind of hard on shit there guy but uh that's, that's pretty cool got a new vehicle gotta be gotta have a reliable vehicle winter is coming for sure uh puka you're back man um yes. how the heck are you episode 200 a milestone here for the one to go show but man how, how the heck you been yeah i had to do it had to do it and you know thanks to you guys all three of you guys for you know keeping the uh to ship uh, straight and uh, congratulations on 200 and uh, not much up on the weekend. I've been up since 2.40 a.m. I couldn't sleep. I was at uh, Anytime Fitness at 4 a.m. Three people were there. Three people were there at 4 a.m. They beat me. So a very wow. lethargic workout. So if I crash and fall asleep on the keyboard, just ignore me and just keep going. Yeah, so we'll just this, keep on rolling. So the Vikes Packers, when is it? Is it Sunday, Sunday night, Monday night? I mean, it wouldn't be Sunday Monday night. Sunday noon. Sunday okay. at noon. Sunday at noon. Where? Bert and I, I'm going to enemy territory. Oh, it's Bert there. and I are going to Lambo. What's the forecast so far? Rain. Oh, rain. <laughs> Cold? Rain. Cold? High 47. Ah, oh, not bad then. Could be but, worse. Uh, yeah. Right. Ryan is finally going to get to see a Super Bowl trophy. <laughs> Hey, I wow. stood, my dad, my dad, and I stood by the Super Bowl trophy last year down in Phoenix. We went, we went to the pregame stuff. So I have, I've probably been closer to a um, Lombardi trophy than than any Vikings player, probably. So unless they played for somebody else, Coach Krause, uh, a little hockey this weekend. How'd that go? Uh, went well. We uh, swept the weekend. We beat the first place team, sitting seven one and one right now. So um, the only thing that's going to be raining in uh, Lambo is uh, Kirk Cousins going to be making it rain on uh, Sunday. That's about <laughs> all the only rain that's going to be going on there, Bert. So, and Bert, just a little saying because I'm a coach. You're only as good as your last game. Uh, so write that down, please. Um, and then when we come next week, we can talk about that. So, hey, we're full fed okay. hockey season, right, Puka? It's um, oh, yeah. I was um, I had my laptop up, I had my phone up, trying to watch some racing. Ryan's texting me. I got everybody texting me. So I got a chance to watch some racing sitting on a bus. So we were on the road all weekend. But uh, like I said, it's hockey season. Good thing is I'm in a good mood. We got a good record. <laughs> That's a plus. You guys had hell year last year too. So kind of uh, starting off the season where you left off in 2022, and uh, 
myself, I just uh, I actually went up to Jim's house, Changa. I went up to his place here this past weekend. We caught some racing uh, over at his house, and his wife was painting away as we're sitting there watching racing. I don't think she was all that impressed with us, but we had a hell of a good time. Good seeing him and my pit guy, Casey, as well, came over. So we got to see a couple of my old uh, pit guys there this past weekend. But episode 200, boys, brought to you by Impact Health Sharing. That time of year, if you pay for your own health care, if you're a business owner, self-employed, drive truck, you're a farmer, whatever it may be, if you feel like you're paying too much for health care, shoot me a text, shoot me a call, um, message me on Facebook, 218-969-1380. Um, been able to help people save a ton of money. I mean, we're looking at an average cost for family, about $600 a month with a $2,500 combined total family deductible. So it's been a really good product, and I'd, I'd be happy to get you some info. But guys, it's open enrollment right now, isn't it? Is that what they call it? It is. Now, the, the benefit, we don't have open enrollment. You can sign up for our product anytime. Um, it doesn't have to be, but it is open enrollment. So I know a lot of business owners definitely looking at healthcare options right now. So we're going to jump right into our top five moments, actually top five stories of the week, because as limited as racing is, you know, we kind of kind of switch that up to top five stories of the week. And uh, before we do that, quick shout out to the gang over at Daytona One Performance Lubricants, um, a group of people very passionate about reducing how much people have to spend to enjoy this great sport of auto racing. A lot of different lubricant options. Of course, Buck in the Hall of Fame for NASA for lubricants. Uh, one of their one of their banner products is their tire treatment stuff. They have a cleaner and a treatment. And they use it. It's, they use it in certain classes. Uh, the Gen X late models, for example, they have to run used tires. And they use this product to get more life out of those tires. So they've had great results. Give Chad a call. He's happy to give anybody some information. His number, 507-828-3536. That's Daytona One Performance Lubricants. So, guys, let's start with number five. Let's talk a little buggy action. National news right now. Okay, we all know, in my opinion anyway, the top dirt series in all of racing, World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, they might have a little bit of a rivalry. Of course, Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet have now purchased the All-Star Sprint Car Series from Tony Stewart. They had the, the High Limit Series this past year. Guys, this could shake some things up. What are your thoughts? Do you think that they're going to actually do what it takes to really rival the world of outlaws or are they going to continue to play second fiddle personally i don't see kyle larson playing second fiddle to anybody i see him getting after it what do you guys think is going to happen here in 2024 go ahead boys well for me the surprising thing is that uh brad sweet is part of this deal who, who's won how many champion world of outlaw championships in a row and is probably going to win another one this year um, so, you know, you have one of the World of Outlaw drivers, you know, if they go, they want to shake some things up, you have, you know, a champion Outlaw driver as part of the person, part of the group shaking things up in the sprint car world. Well, they're brother-in-laws, um, Kyle Larson and Brad right. Sweet, they're brother-in-laws. And, and from what I'm on, from what I understand, and, and maybe Kraus knows, from what I understand is. Uh, of course, they had the exclusivity clause with the World of Outlaws, so he couldn't run all the, the high-limit stuff. But I was told, and I didn't pay much attention, 
was Brad Sweet kind of the race director slash like at the draw window? He worked at a lot of those high limit races this past year, so they must have been doing that together. Of course, they they have what is it, uh, Silver Dollar Speedway as well together. So he's he's kind of part of that high limit deal, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he stays on that side of the fence or on the driver's side. Kraus, what do you got? Yeah, he. Um, I've been reading articles all day about it today, and um, you got to remember, Tony Stewart first purchased that series and wanted nothing to do with competing with the World Outlaws. He wanted to help build the four the four ten sprint car program up. He wanted to get more cars involved. He wanted to get younger drivers involved. And he wanted to keep the older drivers that didn't have the money to travel on the World Outlaws to keep them in the game. Um, and they stayed regional. You know, the World Outlaws, is that's pretty much countrywide. They're going everywhere. So um, I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, if if they really wanted to compete, I think the High Limit Series would have went toe-to-toe with them. And they never did. They didn't overlap on anything. So I think it's a completely different deal. I thought I, I think it's helped the sprint car, um, the world out there. Um, but at the end of the day, the World Outlaws Sprint Cars is still the World Outlaws Sprint Cars. So I, I don't think, I, I don't know. I hope they don't do that. We don't need that right now, um, especially with the way things are going right now and the cost of things. They just want to make 410 sprints have more, uh, you know, they don't overlap on the crown jewels. You know what I mean? They don't haven't done any of that. So I, I think it's a good thing. I think they're going to do a good job. And um, hopefully it doesn't um, get involved with World Outlaws. Well, I I, I I disagree. I I think well, Sweet's an owner, isn't it? Larson, Sweet, and Flo own High Limit, is my understanding, right? And and now they've already stolen a couple of employees from World Racing Group, and I don't know if you guys saw Smoke's quote. He said it, it came out in the press release. So I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it's really close. There are some series owners that don't give a flying f about the competitors, and their actions actions have shown it. So this was the right time to pass the torch. To Brad and Kyle, so that what makes me think that they're probably going to go try to go toe to toe. And my the interesting thing I think about it is is what will Shots do? Because if they are starting to go after teams, obviously Shots is your ten time champ. But Shots has seen this before. Do you guys remember the National Sprint Tour in the mid two thousands when Kinzer went off? And of course, it fit with Fred Brownfield's the guy I knew actually. Fred and then Fred got killed. It was a promo reg. I think it was Gray Harbor, Grace Harbor. If there's somebody can comment, he was putting a chalk line out modified hit him so the thing because it was it was fred was kind of the race director steve was fronting all the money and then that thing fizzled so it'd be interesting to see a shots you know like that like yeah do i you know i'm the 10 time champ now maybe i can become the 11 time champ are these guys gonna be here for a year or two it'll be interesting to see but i, I kind of think their intention is to go toe-to-toe and this you know get because i think that acs kind of opens up some potential races tracks scheduling and then the streaming i mean that's what flow on right so they'll They'll, you know, because ACS was 410 sprints, so they've got, they were doing two, they were doing high limit in ACS. Now they can just concentrate on the one. So I, I think they're going to go toe-to-toe and, and try to get that that streaming money. What do you think, Ryan? I am super, super interested to see when the schedules come out, right? right when right. the schedules come out, we'll know quick, fast, and in a hurry. I mean, guys, it's $350,000 to win the World of Outlaw points. It's two hundred. And then there's 150 if you're, you know, exclusive you, if you only ran, I believe, four shows or less in a, in a competing series. That's a lot of money, right? I mean, 350000 to win. But I tell you, slow, you know, you take a look at that group of people. They have the funding to do it. 
Will they? I guess we'll find out uh, probably a little bit sooner rather than later. I mean, we're already into just about into November. I would have to think schedules are going to come out probably within the next month. I would assume probably before P- Thanksgiving. PRI, so, right? Uh, PRI is where a lot of them are announced. And that's what, right? mid-December? Mid-December? Yeah, that's mid-December, mid? early December. Yeah, that'll be before uh, Gateway for the late models. So, yeah, it'll be super, super interesting. So let's jump uh local scene. Uh, number four. Princeton Speedway, who, if we remember, the last 10 years, they've been ex- mostly IMCA, a couple of Minnesota classes. Cliff Sasker, that owns the North Central Speedway in Brainerd, had the lease out at the Princeton Speedway in Princeton, Minnesota. And he decided, you know what, as the time has come, they had the right to go after it again, but the bid went to uh, the Wagaman family and Ogilvy Raceway in Princeton. That's going to be interesting. So I have a fan question on this one. And this question, and I'll let any of you guys answer or all, but the question came from Jesse. He goes, love the show, guys. Occupies me while I'm traveling all over the countryside driving truck. He goes, could Princeton, Ogilvy, and Granite City all partner up in one way, shape, or form, right? And could they possibly, those three tracks, go USRA in the AMODs and in the BMODs? Perhaps if they have a three-track mini-series, they could pay a meaningful point fund. They don't necessarily need Wasoda. Wasoda might be the best option. I don't know. But they could certainly go USRA and make it work with three tracks in a very tight area that would all work together. Um, your guys' thoughts, are they going to stay IMCA? Because think about this, too. Ten years of IMCA racing there, right? All the local cars right around Princeton, right? All the modifies the, that race, I mean, Jeff Jeff can touch on this because I know he has some thoughts here too. A lot of them have IMCA stuff, right? So now they're going to be switching potentially to Wasota, USRA. Could they stay IMCA? Is this going to be good, bad, indifferent? What do you guys think uh, could happen here? Go ahead, Jeff. Well, I, I think everything I've heard is that they're going with soda. Now, like I said, it's all hearsay. Uh, I've done some calls. Obviously, um, I'm pretty heavy into Viking Speedway right now, so we kind of lie right in that region. So obviously, we're we're trying to stay ahead of the game um, in case something does happen, USRA. But for the most part right now, everything I heard is that they're going to be Wasoda. And I also heard some rumors about what's going to happen with the Brainerd track too. So there's a lot of stuff flying around right now. Who knows? At the end of the day, um, me personally – um, I'd like to see everything get to Wasota just because they're in our region and I want to get back to that. I, it's, you know, it's just the way it is. It's the way it's been around here and it's the way we want it. And it's what we, it's what we want. And we want to, we want to grow Wasota and we want to help Wasota. So, um, you know, getting Princeton back and, you know, in that area. And obviously I think the Wagmans are going to do an awesome job down there. Obviously they got a great facility and do a great job with Ogilvy. So from what I heard, that's going to be the case, but who knows, there's been talk of the USRA going with the B mods and the A mods at those tracks. So it's, um, I've, you know, somebody said, well, Princeton put in a clause that, oh, they have to stay. Um, it is not the case. I read the deal and it says they would like to stay with soda. It's not that you are IMCA. Um, they said, you don't have to, if you want to change, you can change, but they'd like to see IMCA stay there. So there's a lot going on. I think it sounds like they're going to make an announcement here. Once stuff winds down, they had the top list, some things going on. So it'd be really interesting to see. And like I said, it'd be nice to get them with soda and just, and grow with soda, get a track back and let's, let's grow it and let's make it better. 
Yeah, I was just more so surprised at the announcement. I mean, Krause, so you're on the board. I mean, how much work? I mean, obviously, Cliff did it. And Cedar Lake, they did Cedar Lake and Superior back, what, late 80s into the early 90s, something like that. But they're doing such a good job, and they've got a pretty aggressive schedule, right? They start fairly early in Ogilvy. They just ended last weekend, so they're they're going a solid six-ish months. Uh, I, I was just really surprised that it was them because they're doing such a good job, and now you're going to pull time and resources unless they got some sort of a team built up. And we've seen how limited Don Shaw's racing is now because – everything he's got going and he's as far as i know there's a guy that lives on the property kind of runs everything for him but i I was just really surprised that they they kind of want how how many years is it it three or five i think it's four four i believe it's four so there's commitment there it's not like it's just one year and they could you know put their tip their toe in the water and say well it didn't really work it's too much time they've i don't know they got a lot of balls in the air now I mean, you guys know a lot more about this track than I do. It's more in your area. So I'm just uh, listening to your opinions and just uh, interested to see how everything plays out. Well, the the biggest thing that I'll say about the deal is whatever they do. And and I'm with Jeff, right? We dog Wasoda, but it's not because we don't like Wasoda. We want Wasoda to get better, improve, grow, and be here for the long term. Now, that's right in the heart. Princeton was one of the very first. They were part of that core group that actually was one of the founding tracks of Wissota, right? So it would be fantastic to see them go back to being pretty much all Wissota classes. But with that said, Princeton and Ogilvy are what? Like half hour apart? Not even. 25 minutes, half hour apart. Granite City, St. Cloud is essentially from Princeton and Ogilvy. Not very far so whatever they do, those three tracks got to work together. That's just better for racing in the area as a whole. So uh, stay tuned. I, I know that uh, Wagaman's announced on the page that there will be an there will be an announcement um, coming up very soon. They wanted to get through the topless, but that look for that announcement maybe as soon as this week. Um, I guess on their Facebook page is where we'll see it. So guys, number three down in speaking of new mexico we talk about new mexico hockey they have racing in Nevada, <laughs> new mexico as well and uh, they had uh i don't know what they named it maybe their fall nationals or whatever it is called down there three nights of racing down in vado usra modifieds now of course usmts was off this past weekend so a lot of the heavy hitters went south including a guy from minnesota that's been really really good the second half of the year jake tim I mean, he was basically on the podium every night, won the second night, got second in the big event. Jake O'Neill and Jake Tim won prelims. Cade Dillard, the thriller Cade Dillard, uh, parking in Victory Lane. The prelim nights, me and I know Krause watched them as well. The prelim nights were fantastic. I mean, they were really, really good. Jake Tim got the win on a green-white checkered. Night number three. Kate Diller kind of wrecked it. He was just really good and kind of drove off into the sunset. Out of car introductions for the main event. I thought that was pretty cool. Super, super light crowd down there. I'm a little bit concerned. Good thing Royal Jones has a lot of money, but uh, <laughs> super light crowd. Kraus, uh, anybody got any thoughts on Votto on the show that they had this past weekend? Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't get to. I didn't watch Sunday. Um, I always think we were all a little occupied with uh, what was going on on Sunday. Um, but I did, like you said, I thought the prelims were uh, that we watched the one uh, was really good track where there was a top and a bottom and they were racing all over the place. 
Um, you know, my big takeaway was was the quality of cars that down there. Man, was that a stacked field from top to bottom. And, it, and it's always fun seeing Jake Tim and you know those the, you know technically the local guys that we cheer for. It's always nice seeing them down there competing with everybody. So my big thing was was the quality of cars which I thought was awesome. And those local guys down there are fast too. So, and who knows what's down there with the weather. It is in the middle of nowhere. It's super tough down there. Um, you know, I, I lived down there for a little bit. I coached hockey in Santa Fe, believe it or not. So um, it's, uh, I have been down there, but uh, I, I was just really, really impressed with the quality of cars. Yeah. Jake Gallardo, local guy down there, won the track championship. He was on the podium, I believe two of the three nights and finished fourth or fifth on night number one. So, I mean, he, he was rubbing elbows with them USMTS regulars and kind of trying to defend that home turf. Uh, another name down there, Christy Barnett. Now, Sherman Barnett, he owns Barnett Harley-Davidson down there, one of the, if not the biggest, one of the biggest Harley-Davidson dealerships in um, probably the world, from what I understand. Well, his better half, uh, Christy Barnett, I don't know if you saw, she made a little trip this past weekend to, uh, I think, Vegas in she actually won a million dollars on slot machines. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, she won a million. There was a big write-up, you know, dirt track racer Christy Barnett walks out with a million dollars. It's like, that'll enhance your race program. And she's in her <laughs> 60s and still pretty sporty out there. So Royal Jones behind the wheel, uh, not quite getting after it. But I remember when it used to be Royal, his son Bumper Jones, and then his daughter Holly Jones, all three of them raced. But a great culture down there. And uh, the announcer, super energetic. Uh, I We all know Ruben is a New Mexico guy. The announcer right. they have down there at Vado is about as energetic as Ruben. So maybe there's something in the water down there, but it was exciting. So let's jump on to number two. Let's go a little stay with open wheels, but we'll go to buggy action. We say goodbye to the birthplace of the world of Outlaw Sprint Car Series. Devil's Bowl Speedway, Mesquite, Texas. They had their last dance here this past weekend, a pair of World of Outlaw sprint car events. Carson Macedo, night number one, night number two in a thriller, right? Um, David Gravel, last lap, last corner pass, photo finish. I mean, what a way to go out if that track has to disappear. What a great race to do it in. But there was some drama in this, and I want your guys' thoughts. So, Early on in that race, 30 lap A mean, I believe it was maybe lap nine, lap seven. Brad Sweet gets together with car owner Casey Kane, and three cars roll over, including Brad Sweet. Red flag comes out, and it, it took a while. They're down in the pits, and they literally, I mean, if you guys haven't watched, I know you guys have, but if a listener hasn't watched a lot of World of Outlaw Sprint Car action, it is insane what these what these crews do. And, and they get a pretty extended time to do it but they change the spoiler and they, they literally put a whole new front axle. And I mean, they basically rebuild the entire car and then go back out there. So not only did the, the long red help, but then they give them extra time in the work area to ensure that the drivers following their series have an opportunity to get back out on the racetrack and put a show on for the people in the grandstands. Now, Brad Sweet, if he doesn't get back out there, that could have been a, very, very catastrophic deal. He ended up getting back up to seventh. Gravel won, and it closed the point gap to 50. But if Brad Sweet does not get back out there, that point battle could be 20 points maybe going into the in the world finals here in Charlotte. Your thoughts on them giving these drivers an extended period of time to get their cars back out on the track. Uh, Coach Krause, we'll start with you. 
Yeah, for sure. My, my big deal is, especially as, as a fan, um, watching those guys work on them cars is absolutely awesome. And, and that's how you get people. It's entertainment. You know, not it's just not cars driving around the track, you know, going fast, turn left. Well, all you do is just go out there and turn left. <laughs> you get to see these crews go to work. Um, and actually, they actually went to an open red on that one because, um, you know, the announcer said, hey, there's nobody down here to help. Usually you see 20 teams down there helping sweet. And they obviously Casey Kane actually got out of his car, probably felt bad for for not. Uh, it, I, it was a tough deal with it. I, I thought sweet kind of came up. I don't think Kane was expecting it, but Casey Kane was out there. Sweet was out of his car, getting them cars back. So when they went to open red, there was fluid on the track. They had cars laying all over the place. So um, big thing is they do for safety. They make sure, hey, we got to clean the track up. We got to make sure it's race ready. And then, you know, none of them have starters. So it, it takes forever to get those cars back going. But it's absolutely awesome watching those crews go to work, changing front axles and um, changing shocks and the radius rods and all that good stuff. So from a fan standpoint, I think that's great. And, you know, as a promoter and Thing is that everybody knows it. You're not going to have any drivers complain because everybody know they do it for everybody. They don't show any favoritism. They don't care who you are. Um, they're going to be down there, um, you know, helping and watching, and everybody knows what's going on. So I think it's a really cool deal. Yeah, and I I, mean, I know there was stuff blowing up all over the internet that you know their favoritism for Brad Sweet waiting for him. And like I said, I I think Brad's part of an ownership group that's going to compete with the world of outlaw sprint cars next year. I don't think they would give him. It doesn't behoove them for Brad to be the champion. It'd be better; they'd be better off if Brabble is. So, um, and plus this year, Brad already owned a competing. I mean, like we started the show, it wasn't really a competing series this year. It was, you know, a weeknight thing, but it was four ten sprints, and and uh, it, took, it you know potentially took um, streaming dollars away from World Racing Group. So, so I, I don't think that they were showing any favoritism to Brad Sweet. Yeah, I, I agree with what uh, Jeff and. Uh, Puka said, uh, you know, we're getting down to crunch time for the championship. So, I mean, as long as they're cleaning up the track and, and everything, you know, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, 50 points the difference right now. It's basically a two-man race going into the world finals just a couple weeks away. Brad Sweet looking for his fifth scrape World of Outlaw Spin Car Series championship. David Gravel looking to dethrone him. Um, we'll see what happens down in Charlotte in just a couple weeks. Number one story of the week, guys. Of course, this is what everybody's been waiting for. I mean, I live, there's this little race over in Eldora, right? Nothing nothing big, nothing to see here, right? But uh, before we get into that, a little shout-out. Before we get to our number one story of the week, a little shout-out to Brad Parson, Soil and Egg Solution. Puka's got the got the, the merchandise on, of course. But, uh, you know, farmers, if you're in western Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, at the end of the day, you're looking to make more money. What helps you do that? Better yields, right? And he has products that you can put in your current spray pack packages to help you do just that. I would recommend, if you're a race fan, if you listen to the show and you farm, why not call him? Western Minnesota, North South Dakota, call up Brad. 320-219-3542, 320-219-3542. Talk to Brad, talk about the products he has, get some data. Why not try some stuff out for 2024 to see if you can have a better farming season. Now, the Dirt Track World Championships. Of course, it all, it all started at the beginning of the year when the schedules came out, the big move from Portsmouth to the Big E, right? 
They moved it to Eldora. Literally, I mean, crown jewel after crown jewel. They got the dream. They got the World 100. And, of course, now they have Lucas Oil's biggest race at the end of the year, the Dirt Track World Championships. Now, in case you live under a rock and you're not sure what's going on here, right? So they had a final four. The Lucas Oil um, series had a final four format where they took the top four in points after the last race, I believe Pittsburgh was the last race, and whoever was in the top four, they go into the Dirt Track World Championships even across the board. Ricky Thornton Jr., I believe, had a 530-point lead vanish. Okay, um, Devin Moran was in fourth, and I know he was over a 1,000 points back from the leader. So in the traditional format, that points battle was locked up a month ago or better, right? So Lucas Oil says, you know what? Let's shake this deal up, okay? Let's shake this deal up. We're going to have a final four. We're going to go like uh, Brad's NASCAR deal here. I know Brad's a big NASCAR guy. He wanted a copy. Just kidding, Brad. Don't have a heart attack on us. Well, it comes into it. you got Ricky Thornton Jr. you got Hudson O'Neill. Jonathan Davenport, Devin Moran. Now, keep in mind, the Dirt Track World Championship pays $100,000 to win all by itself. So you already have a huge paying, you know, to the winner. Second back, not so great, but hundred grand to win. Lots on the line. Guys, it was mass chaos, okay? <laughs> so uh, we'll just, we'll just, instead of kind of going through the whole list here, everybody's got, things they want to say i don't care who starts i'll come back around the backside and maybe add some thoughts at the end but uh you know what puka you ain't been on the show in a while (laughs) um we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna start with you um there was so much but what stuck out to you what are some things some moments some thoughts that you have from the 2023 dirt track world championships well, first off, uh, just uh, Moran getting in. You know, if it wasn't for Overton kind of doing that boneheaded move that last weekend when we were at the Pittsburgh and stuff, he, what he, he brought that old Bloomquist car that weekend, right? And they, it didn't, but he couldn't even get it going. So I don't know what they were thinking. So Moran got pretty lucky to get in, but good for him. Uh, the crowd was obviously light. You know, I felt bad just because you're crowning your champion. And, and of course, nothing you could do about it. So I, I did feel a little bit bad bad for, for, uh, him, uh, for Huddy on that, the eventual winner. Um, you know, eight leaders in that race, and do you guys know how many cars finished? Six. There were more Six leaders cars. than cars <laughs> finishing. Uh, but the biggest takeaway I got was just you know, these young guns of the sport made it so interesting. Pierce, Moran, Huddy, Shep. Let's throw RTJ in there. Let's throw English in there because he's from a great racing family. I just think late model racing's in a great spot. Um, just because these young guys they're just on the pump and it they're so fun to watch. And it's almost like they'll do anything. And I don't even know how they can be so good so young. But I thought that was great. And then just one final question for you guys. Do any of you know if Tyler Carpenter raced this weekend? Hurt? Tyler Carpenter raced there, yes. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know if he raced. I, I don't know. Oh. I, I didn't hear his name. I mean. 17th, <laughs> the first in what, the first 20 laps? Unbelievable. Um, You know, and that, that started things off. It's like. This guy's just chucking it on the high side. Like, I mean, on, but I mean, the, the dome is always rough and choppy. So we know he's good on that stuff. But man, I tell you what, there was a lot of passing. We'll get to a little bit more of that in a minute. So, uh, good segue there, Puka. We all, we all knew Tyler T. Carp was in the house. So, 
whoever wants to go, Bert, yeah, tell you what, why don't you go ahead and go next? I think you got a lot of thoughts. You said you had a page and a half of notes here. And you said <laughs> you were pretty fired up. And, uh, well, I, 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 uh, I don't know if calm down. I was never upset, but I, I, I mean, and you guys all may disagree with me, but I don't like the format. Um, I don't like NASCAR's format. Uh, yes. I mean, yes, I will admit it created a lot of excitement that, but to me it was artificial excitement. Um, because I mean, my question is when you're crowning a champion, do you want, I, I guess it depends what you define a champion. Do you want your champion to be the driver who trucked up and down the road with the series all, all year long proved to be the best driver uh, throughout the entire ser series or create an attention grabbing event in which wh whichever driver finishes ahead of the other is going to be named the champ champion. Um, I just think a champion is the best driver throughout the entire season. That's just my opinion. Question for you, Bert. If the Green Bay Packers go uh, 17 and 0, go through the playoffs and lose the Super Bowl, should they be the champion? No, that's not the, that's never been the system. <laughs> I'm just throwing out I don't mean to take No, I, I know. No, I I know. Uh, but um, I, you, here's the deal, Bert. The, the, I mean, we'll never ever see a race like that ever again. But you're 100% right. I felt I'm not a 20RT fan. Um, but I felt super bad for him when that happened. I I really did. They the the you know NASCAR's got it right. Once they get into the final four, you've earned your way to the final four, and your season counts. You get points and you get stage points that actually go into the right. playoffs for you. When they started Eldora, they were back at zero. Those wins and everything right. Ricky Thornton Jr. had meant absolutely nothing, and that's what's wrong with that format. They needed to give him some sort of point lead. Whether it's 20, 25, 30, 50, he earned points throughout the season and gets him bonus points into that show. I 100% agree with you, Bert, on that part. So go ahead. If you got anything else, Bert, go ahead. Um, <laughs> um, well, and I mean, I think that I think the format's going to be back just because of all the excitement that uh, it generated. Um, I guess one thing that bothered me was. Uh, just the constant, the drivers voted for this. This is what the drivers wanted because they were trying to cover their asses because they knew they were screwing over RTJ if he didn't win. Um, and, um, you know, but one thing that they never said when they said the drivers voted on this was, were the drivers told that they have a sponsor who is throwing in a ton of money to win, but we have to go with this format? Or we have a sponsor throwing in a ton of money to win. Which format would you rather have for that money? I mean, I think we all know the answer. The sponsor wanted this format because they're throwing all this money around. So it's like, it, yeah, maybe they voted on it, but it was kind of, okay, well, if you want this, you have to vote this way. Well, let me, let me pause you, Bert. You have a lot of thoughts, and you talked about RTJ. So let's go back to RTJ. He, he had by far the most dominant season that I've seen in a long time in Lucas Oil, right? Clearly, as a racer, I was absolutely just beside myself. The minute they announced it, I'm like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my entire life, right? I So I 100% I agree, Bert. 
RTJ should actually, I mean, he's the champion. Every driver, all of his competitors know that he had a championship caliber season. Now, with that said, did he choke? Was he impatient with like on lap 20 when he forced it inside old uh, well, Kenny Owens there? Well, I mean, he did it to himself. He was already fired up after the heat race uh, because he was, he a, car got into <laughs> a, a car got into him in the heat race. And uh, when they interviewed him afterwards, he was already all fired up. So, yeah, I mean, I would imagine he was under a lot of pressure and stress to try to perform. And, you know, because, you know, it's probably in the back of his mind that, you know, if I if I don't come out on top, nobody's going to remember the season that I had. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. He did not make many mistakes in 2023. That one was the biggest mistake he made. He forced it in there when he did not have to force it in there. And it was a racing deal. I mean, he come in, he checked up, he pushed and got together with uh, Jimmy Owens and ripped the right front off. So that leads me to the next question I have on this topic. We talk about the world of Olaf's. We talk about them holding everything up there for Brad Sweet to get back out on the track. They do it for all the drivers. That's a World of Outlaw sprint car deal. He was literally putting his right front tire back on, and they turned the caution lights, went green. Yeah, yeah. What in the hell? I mean, do you guys think they should have looked at that and said, I tell you what, one more lap, you know, let's give him one more lap to get back out there, get to the back of the field. What is your thoughts? Well, I thought, I thought they had given kind of an extended amount of time already at that point, and I thought they were going to. And then all of a sudden, Dustin Jarrett's like, well, it looks like the caution lights are out, and we're going to go racing. And and they didn't even – well, then they immediately panned back to RTJ there in, in pit row and then and then went back to the start. So I, I was – yeah, I was a bit surprised. And, and I'm kind of with Bert, you know, getting back to the format thing real quick. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the NASCAR one either. I'm not – it wasn't a fan of this one. Um, but it did make for a super exciting night. Yeah, I mean, the format served its purpose in drawing excitement. I mean, that I don't like the NASCAR format, but about the only NASCAR race that I watch after July is the final race of the season because they're going to crown their championship. Um, so in that regard, it does serve its purpose if that's what your purpose is in, in crowning a champion, but I have a question for you guys. Would would we would this conversation be totally opposite, and we, everybody would be yelling to scrap the system if Huddy doesn't get his lap back on a technicality, and Moran's the only one out on the track, and there's no no excitement for the last ten laps because he's the only contender on the lead lap. Yeah, well, you yeah, could you I, could say, yeah, yeah. Well, go ahead, Brad. I was gonna say I don't know if it was necessarily a technicality. I mean, it was it's a rule that's in place. Well, it's right? a they rule. Lucky, yeah, they they got and what they're what Bert's talking about. They got the lucky dog. If you're a lap down, whoever's the first car a lap down, and they can only get the lucky dog once. Yeah. The first car the lap down on the yellow gets their spot back. So Garrett Smith, I believe, was actually yeah. one spot ahead of RTJ, but had already got the lucky dog, or not RTJ, but Huddy. And because of that, Hudson O'Neill got his lap back in, in the rest of history. So um, I would say that, Bert, you, you're probably onto something there. I mean, it, it was definitely exciting because Hudson O'Neill and Devin Moran were, it came down to the very last corner. And if it wouldn't have came down to that, it probably wouldn't have been, it would have 
not been quite as exciting for sure. And, yeah, and what and what if what if because I just thought JD was going to leave seventy five laps, and what if JD would have led seventy five laps, and you know then you know I, I could see a lot of people getting on the internet and saying, wow. He won this big race. He's the champion. But look at RTJ, how much better he was all year, you know. So, like I said, it worked for him this time. I remember during the the chase when they they still call it the chase in NASCAR. It, yeah. was, it was like when Dale Jr. was in the like the peak of his powers, oh four, oh five, and he was like on the bubble to get out. And then he he won a race. He swore on TV. I don't know if you guys remember that. He kind of got a little trouble. He said, "I'm gonna we're gonna kick some ass and win this thing or something like that." And 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 so like. If he wouldn't have, there would have been no incitement, but they, they got kind of lucky and it worked that night. Like he won, it kept him in the fight. He was like the most popular driver at the time. And it, you know, so it worked this time. It worked this year, but we'll see next year. And the next year, like I said, what if some guy just goes out and cruises for 90 laps and wins the thing? I mean, it, like, like Bert said, it served its purpose this time. And we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. And, you know, like I said, I was just, so sick of the announcer talk about the format kind of insinuating if you don't like the format you're wrong and um i mean <laughs> um randy weaver after the race um this is where my billy madison comment comes in i don't know if you guys have ever seen billy madison or he makes that comment and it, the guy just rips it into him that this is the stupidest comment that you ever made and I mean, Randy Weaver said that you have to love this format because of the way everything went down. And then he named off Devin Moran's uh, uh, car owners as they loved the format. Well, of course they loved the format. They were fourth in the standings and they had the chance to win the championship. So don't tell me that everybody that this is the best format because the fourth place car owner thinks that, you know, loves the format. And then he also made a comment that uh, Oh, he said that, yeah, usually championships, you know, there's usually one race that costs the driver a championship. Under the old format, RTJ could have stayed home and he would have still <laughs> won the championship. They changed the rules to make it a one race could cost you the championship. So that was one of the stupidest comments that I've ever heard. And, um, and that, okay, I just have one more thing. Um, this I is like probably... it. Bert, keep on going, man. <laughs> He's on Come fire. On. <laughs> um, I don't think Devin I like Devin Moran and I don't think he realized what he said but when they interviewed him you know he was talking about how great the format is and if and for those who don't like the format you, you guys should go get another go get another hobby so he's telling the hardcore dirt late model fans to go get another hobby if they don't like the format <laughs> Well, here's the deal. So the biggest people that had the right to really be upset was RTJ's group, right? Because everybody else, second on back, second, third, and fourth, they knew they weren't winning the championship. This was the only way they were going to win it. So, but you see a lot of RTJ fans on their belly aching. Now, in case you haven't noticed, I haven't seen RTJ, you know, complaining about the format or whatever, probably because he knows he's a racer you know when you screw up he realizes he messed up and he'd get absolutely torched right if, if he went on there and complained about the format the haters would just unleash on him so he knows he messed wow. up but i gotta give a donkey award here guys oh, donkey award to rtj one. fans that were in attendance at eldora okay 
So a little story for you. First of all, he was literally one lap from getting back out on the track and being able to take the back of the field and actually stay in the lead lap and be in contention, right? Did not make it back out there. If you're an RTJ fan, right, literally, I don't give you, throw a freaking cooler on the track, throw your hat, run out on the racetrack, bring out the, <laughs> I don't give a shit what you got to do. They kick you out, so what, RTJ's back in the hunt, we're good. My sister did it. We're in Bemidji, guys, uh, back on oh, 1993, a day or two ago. I'm racing for a championship, big wreck, rip the left rear uh, trailing arm off, spring flies out. They pull me in the pits, and they're, we're just about back together, and they're about ready to go green. I'm like, they're going green. You've got to stop them. you got to stop them. My sister and her friend literally ran out on the back straightaway. They had to, like, slow everything down. And they stopped it, and I was able to get back out on the track, and I got back up to third from the back. So if my sister can do that, right, other people can do that too. So donkey award to the RTJ fans in attendance for not giving the assist when the assist was needed by RTJ. Well, I don't know if you saw this, but RTJ did post. This was like last Thursday. He posted that he did not vote for this system but he knew what the system was when he signed up to race the Lucas oil list here. So here's the other deal guys. So three years, I think three years ago, two, two more than three years ago, it was $75,000 to win the Lucas oil championship guys. Fourth place paid a hundred thousand to win this year. So it's 200,000 to win 150, 125, 100. So even if you go back a couple years ago, I think, uh, it might have even been the first year that that uh, T Mac won, and he yeah. won back to back, seventy five grand to win. Even if you got fourth, it sucks, right? Because that as a racer, it's like that championship. You're able to look back in history, your name on the trophy, and all all the shirts. You're the champion. Uh, that that's meaningful, but money wise, the the increase in sponsorship money, nobody was really out any money. It was just out the prestige of winning it. So. The, the money was good, for sure. Carl, so you got anything to say? You haven't talked in a while. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, if you didn't like that format and like that race, you got something wrong with you. I was, I mean, my wife even said, I, I jumped off off my chair on that last lap. And, you know, Tyler Peterson was up on Facebook. Cole Searing was up on Facebook. I, I went through Facebook and everybody was up there going, uh, my heart stopped. It, it was absolutely unbelievable. And it was, it was all because of the format, like it or not. Like I said, at the end of the day, there's pretty much only one group of people that didn't, didn't like the format. But um, like I said, we'll never, ever see a race like that ever again with six cars finishing. Here's, here's my deal. If, if Ricky Thornton Jr. would have took the Dale McDowell approach, okay, because Dale McDowell is what? How old is the guy? He's in his 50s, almost 60. Um, he's, he's, he had cancer. Um, he rode around and he got fifth place. He, to be honest with you, Dale McDowell really did nothing that whole race. He just rode around, saved his equipment, and he got fifth place. Um, if Ricky Thornton would have junior would have just done that, um, like you said, I think he would have been there at the end. And, um, you know, a lot of cars broke, but I, I want to know how many guys just pulled in due to track conditions with those DNFs. Um, I would assume a lot of them did that. Um, they just said, oh, I don't want to race. Well, Dale McDowell, I got to tip my hat to him. Um, like I said, some older guys got health issues, stayed out through the whole race, hundred laps, finished the race. Um, then you got young bucks just pulling in because of track conditions, cause they want to save their stuff. So, um, but, uh, 
unbelievable. They they need to they need to change. The only thing they need to change is they need to they need to reward Ricky Thornton Jr. going into the Final Four for having all those wins. Have some sort of bonus system. Other than that, I thought I thought it was great and looking forward to having back at Eldora next year. All right. Well, I guess we we should move on. There were anything else? Anything else on on uh, Eldora? No, I've ranted. <laughs> um, the only other thing I saw, um, I saw a bunch of people complaining about refund on tickets and oh, yes. um, for Sunday and not getting their money back and having to pay again. I don't know. Did either of you two see anything about? Um, I know some tough. fans were upset about not getting money back. I don't know if there was a refund policy or a rain policy or what it was. Um, did either of you two see anything about that? Well, well Joe Staria I, posted, uh, is what I read, I think. And if I'm understanding right, I, and Joe can comment, but I think he said that they just, yeah, there were no refunds Saturday. You know, they they just said, no, you, you got to come back Sunday or otherwise uh, it was kind of like too bad. You know, you, you got to, if, if you can't come back, there's no refunds and, and that that's I mean, I kind of I think I was actually but no, that was that must have been Monday because he was there all the whole time. But I just kind of read through it fast. But um, you're right. There there were some fans that that left upset. Like I said, if a, I mean, they never showed the front stretch crowd. But, you know, you could you know, you know, how the world and, and the dream are, Bert, you know, on the on the, the grass is, you know, the, the grassy yeah. knoll. You know, it's just full, and there was just there was just nobody there, and you know, obviously understandable considering everything. So I just I kind of felt bad for Huddy, felt bad for Shep that, um, you know, they, they accomplished a lot, and and there was really nobody to uh, to cheer him on at and in victory lane there. Well, and it's kind of funny because uh, well, somebody from our group posted this. Apparently, RTJ had posted, uh, you know. Lost in all of this is that does anybody realize that Brandon Shepard actually won the dirt track world <laughs> championship race? <laughs> well, and that's a tough thing too. What do you do in that situation? You know, I was, I, I, I was wondering who they were going to go to first. If they were going to go to Huddy and put him in victory lane and, and take care of the season championship part or go to Bishop. And, you know, they obviously they went to Bishop and I think they were interviewing. Well, Huddy was a, was on the podium, but he's off to the side. Uh, I, I wow. thought that was interesting. He, uh, the the top top three in points they were in the inspection area because right right as you pull off of the scale you pull off to the left and that's where they do the droop rule and and all of those other uh, uh, technical inspections. Right. Yeah. But they did interviewed they him. Do, second, um, right? Did they even do Hudson O'Neill's championship thing live on on Flow? I, I don't I don't think they did. Did they? Well, they interviewed, they interviewed him, but they yeah. they didn't have a big celebration. No, they just no. That's what I mean. Him. That's what I was wondering. What? How are they going to approach this? And then you saw Bishop go to victory lane, and and then they came to Huddy's second. And maybe they maybe they had a different plan if Huddy hadn't been in, you know, the top three because they knew they're going to interview the top three. Maybe they had some sort of a different plan, a plan B. If 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 the, you know whatever RTJ would have won it, and he was the tenth place car. I don't know, but. Um, you know, that, 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 well, you're the racer Kraus, you know, I think that takes a little or a lot of uh, flame away from the being the champion, you know, not getting that celebration in victory lane, the champagne, the, the confetti and all that. Yeah, for sure. And that, and I thought once, you know, they did obviously did a great job, but I thought the main, I thought they'd roll Brandon out of there. And, and I saw all the pictures, you know, they had their championship sweatshirts on the rocket one. They had, they had all their stuff. I saw all the pictures. But that wasn't live on 
um, on no. flow. And I know they were live on MAV TV because I know they cut into MAV TV, went live. So they're actually live on TV. So oh, okay. I thought for sure they were going to do some sort of championship, bring them all up there, re-interview him, maybe interview Mark Richards. You know, I didn't see any of that live on the stream. So I think they kind of maybe missed the boat there a little bit with that. Yeah, that, that wasn't on the stream because I watched the entire stream because I was hoping they were going to interview uh, Davenport and uh, RTJ, uh, but they never never did on the stream. Okay. All right. Well, we may as well move on here. We'll go over to the – well. The, by the way, fans, uh, you know, uh, good stuff so far. Hammer the like button. Hit the subscribe button. All right, we'll move on to the top list on Ogilvy. Obviously, the Wazoda area season kind of comes to a close. Um, I did catch a late model feature. Uh, that was about it. Kraus, did you? Oh, no, you were on the bus. How much did you dig into? Robert, did you dig into a lot? I did not see any of it, actually. Okay. Yeah, no, I just kind of was looking through some results. I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot. I know Ryan was texting me. Um, about some things. I was looking at results. Um, I had seen that Sabraski took a provisional in the super stock, which was, was kind of rare. So I, I don't know if he got an, if I saw he was starting up front towards a B, but had to take a provisional and obviously drove um, from the back. But, uh, you know, one interesting topic there, um, the top two guys that won street stocks are actually in stock cars. I don't know if you guys knew, knew that, but Tim Johnson was in his stock car and technically won the street stock um race so i i don't know what they were doing for rules there um or what it was and i know the second place guy was actually in a full-blown stock car and vogel ended up getting third so i don't know what there was kind of rules there but i didn't i didn't get to see a lot and saw that uh, obviously i believe mr pat door won the um won the late model so um he's obviously very dominant there but uh, didn't get a chance to watch a lot but kind of uh the last hurrah great car count um that that was big there but i didn't get a chance to watch a lot of it yeah, track but, was pretty uh, good again. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I did uh, hear that uh, Sabraski was in a late model also. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, the five car. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Door, like I said, uh, the, there was kind of a battle there, Door and Edgington, and he kind of, Door kind of saw Edgington. Edgington was, was, got, got alongside of him, and then Door kind of clipped him a little bit coming out of, of two at one point, and then because uh, he was moving down, because he saw Edgington coming, and once he moved down to that fast group, that was that was kind of it. It was it was good night, Irene. So um, hey, yeah. Uh, before we go any further, who's controlling the record button, Ryan? Yeah. Well, what we could do is we could take a break and then jump back on. Should we do that? We could we could we could just as easy take a break, regroup. Get Ryan yeah, maybe back. maybe just pause it, and then we can get uh, wait for maybe Ryan can get back up here because you're the controller now. I see Puka. Oh, I am. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So let me do that. We're gonna take a break. Break, race fans. We'll be right back. There we, there we go. Now. All right. All right. We are back. Yeah, we, we are, are back. back. Right. So so, so we. I, I'm I'm up in upstate New York with a new phone, and it just is all right. It is what it is. I don't know where you guys left off. I know we were talking about the Dirt Track World Championships. I did have a couple questions for you guys. Um, did you guys kind of finish up your banter on, on that? Yeah, yeah, we did that. We just did a quick recap of Ogilvy. We none of us really watched too much of it. So if you want to finish up on Dirt Track and then uh, go into the topless. Well, I mean, the the one thing is the track conditions obviously made the show, right? Because, I mean, 
you had some choppy, choppy stuff there that really made things interesting. They challenged, they were challenged all week long guys. I stayed Sunday night, um, about an hour and 20 minutes North of Eldora on my way to upstate New York. It was 34 degrees, 34 degrees. So it had to have been like forties or whatever on during race day. So that was a lot to do with it. Um, the question I have though, is this up until this race, what is the most memorable race on dirt, right? That you can ever recall. And, and I'll let each of you go your most memorable race that you remember watching either live in person or online up until this point, what would that race have been? Bert, I'll let you go first. Uh, I believe it was 2006 world 100. Uh, the year that uh, Jeep was bouncing off the wall uh, while leading uh, battling with, uh, I think Earl Pearson Jr. was one of the drivers he was battling with. Uh, but that that's that's the most memorable race I've ever been been to and seen. Krauss? Oh, boy. You're putting me on the spot here, man. This is a rough yeah, one. That's a tough one. <laughs> I'm, I have to go. I got to go with, I, I don't even know what year it was. Um, it was one of the Minnesota Modified Nationals. Um, it's the one Como Joe had on his phone with the three car battle with Jason Grimes, David Schroeder, and Cody Skitland. You remember that deal? I know you guys do. I don't know. Were you in that race, Ryan? Or I, I don't, uh, might've been a little bit before you yet, or maybe you weren't there. Who knows? Maybe I know one year you came in the pits at the mod nationals and we screwed your car up. We couldn't get the, we couldn't get the four bar link and the left rear bolt back in. So I know you got mad at us on that deal, but uh, that was the race. It was, um, it, it, it's hard to top a mod show like that. Um, and it was at Viking Speedway, obviously my home track, but it was, it was probably still one of the greatest mod races. People still talk about it. Actually, I saw Como Joe at the 100 last year and he still talks about that race. So uh, that's probably my, you know, my most memorable show that I've, I've watched or witnessed. I'd say off the top, I, I would think more, but you know, 1991 when Auckland came to the Labor Day shootout and and uh, everyone was running the bottom there and there was that caution about lap 10 and it was a 40 lap race and I don't know, but he was sitting in ninth, 10th, 12th and he went to the top and just, I mean, he he, he lapped everybody up to about sixth. So I would I would have to say that uh, off the top of the off the top of the hatch, that's that's mine. What about yours? There's a lot, and I'm kind of a homer. I got to go back to Ron Jones uh, winning the Chuck Helmer Superstock Invitational after rolling over in my dad's car on lap one. But you think about it, right? Mo like that was that was a pretty cool moment. One storyline, right? All of these Jeep and Wormer bouncing off the fence. Good race, exciting, but no storyline, right? This race here, there was multiple storylines, lots of drama. Literally, we had no idea who was going to win the race or the championship until the very yeah. end of the race, all the way from the beginning. Multiple leaders, you know, from um, Tyler Carpenter, you know, you had Brian Shirley look good. He had a shot to win that deal. I mean, it was just mass mass mayhem. Um, Hudson O'Neill getting two flat tires and the lucky dog. Brandon Shepard winning the race. With a brake line came off, had to put a brake line in, went back in the pits, had to bleed the brakes, literally comes from last to win, right? You know, so you look wow. at all this absolute craziness. Go ahead. And him running out of fuel on the last lap. Him, yeah, <laughs> last lap. Well, and Pierce running out of fuel a handful of laps before that, stopping on the track, bringing out the yellow, getting back out there, did not quite make it to be in that group. Now, here's the question. 
if if Bobby Pierce, there's only six cars, right? If Bobby Pierce gets back out there on time with fresh fuel, does he shake this whole thing up? Does he win that race? I would say he would have definitely had a legit shot. So, I mean, just I I hate the format. I loved the event, and I hate that I loved the event because I really hate the format. <laughs> right? It's like wow. what the hell? I mean, it was absolute craziness. But um, I gotta you know give it a grade. Let's give it a grade. Um, the whole from the from the build up to the to the hype before the race, right? To the event to the race itself and coming down to the final. If you had to give it a grade, Puka, what what would you give it for all all of the above? A plus. A plus. Absolute A plus. Coach Krause. Yeah, I gotta I get it. And we talked about this when you were gone, Ryan. I gotta give it an A minus just because Live on the stream, they did not have the uh, Rocket One in Victory Lane live on the stream. All I saw was pictures. I didn't see any interviews. I didn't see Hudson O'Neill take an interview in Victory Lane. I didn't see Mark Richards get interviewed um, in Victory Lane. I didn't get to see their crew. That was the only, I thought, the downfall. But other than that, it's an A+. plus. You're, you're never, ever going to top anything like that um, ever again. Bert? This is going to be an interesting <laughs> one. <laughs> well, you know my great aunt. A C plus. No, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I mean, like I said, I hate the format, but I mean, it created excitement. I mean, I agree with Jeff when he said earlier, I mean, my heart was pumping faster than it normally does. And, you know, I was yelling at the TV a few times and um, it accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. Um, so, I, you know, I give it an A. I mean, it, it, it was exciting. I mean, there's there's no taking that away from it. I give it. A, I'm going to give it an A minus, not because of not interviewing necessarily Huddy, but I feel like they should have interviewed all of the top four finishers in the points. I wanted to see them interview RTJ. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, not that, not that I want to see somebody absolutely miserable, <laughs> but it would have been interesting to see what he had to say in the moment, right? Um, Jonathan Davenport, so it would have been well, I would have liked to see those interviews as well. Well, the thing is, they do have a media center at Eldora, and I saw a picture of the top of the top four in the media center, and I believe it was after the race, but I couldn't find the interviews from when they were in the media center. Yeah, they'll probably be on tape delayed or whatever. I'm sure they'll have them on later, but it would have been really good to have right away i mean they should have had them out on the track it just i mean and i get it i wouldn't have wanted to talk to anybody either if i was rtj i would have been really upset but brad actually shot us a message in our group chat today and he said imagine this being with soda right imagine myself jeff cross maybe you right we got a huge lead we went 30 plus features in a year it's over right and all of a sudden they decide well we're gonna we're going to take the top five at the Wasota 100, and we're going to put even points on everybody in the top five. Well, how would you feel, right? I mean, so how would we feel if we're RTJ? But could you see another series, whether it's World of Outlaw on the national scene, Wasota on the local scene going, you know what? We haven't really had a whole lot of points chases. Pretty much the points battles were done pretty darn early in a lot of these. Could you see other people trying to copycat this deal like with Soda and saying, you know what, Shane Sebraski, you had a hell of a year, man. Had a great year. I mean, this deal was locked up for you about Labor Day weekend. But 
we're going to go ahead and take the top four, top five, and we're going to just uh, even everything out for the 100 and uh, see how this all shakes out. Can you see him doing something like that? What was your thoughts there, B? Uh, we'll start with you, Puka. Uh, that would be interesting. I don't think if I was sitting in Krause's chair as a promoter, I would like that because I could see that during the season, maybe racers wouldn't travel as much because they would say, well, geez, it's such a gamble anyway, because it's going to come down to one night at the 100. So as a promoter, I don't know if I would like that format. Uh, a guy like Sebraski who shows up in Grand Rapids on an odd, you know, here and there, maybe he wouldn't, maybe he'd say, well, why, why would we work so hard if it could all be taken up from us in one night or at one race, one event? Coach? And that's what happened with RTJ, right? He yeah, worked right. his tail off, and they, they took it away from him. You know, because the, the, you know, the, the point of the rules and everything being the same and the draw and everything is, is to get the races to travel, to go around, you know, so we can all, as fans, we can all see them. And I, I think if I was a racer, I would not – maybe I wouldn't put so many chips on the table. So Viking Speedway, Jeff Krauss on the board, one of the key cogs at the Viking Speedway. Are you going to go ahead and put it on the agenda for the annual meeting to have a format <laughs> in all Wissota classes? Is that coming from Viking Speedway? Yeah, it should, but um, it's too late now. They already had to be in. Um, someone's going to do it. Someone's going to go out really? there, and someone should do that. Um, here's the flip side of that, Puka. As a driver, I get that. But you're going to get fan interaction times 100, and that's what we need right now. We have to get fans involved in our sport. How are you going to do that? Um, I mean, the whole internet, that's all they're talking about was that race. You know, imagine going to the Wissota 100 and you had, I mean, you, the, Pat Doerr, John Kant, uh, let's say Cole Searing and, and Chad Becker or Tyler Peterson or whoever it may be. And whoever the winner of the, their race is at 100 wins the national championship. Could you, could you imagine what that would do for the fans and what, uh, how many people would show up? How many people would tune in? I, I think it. I think it'd be absolutely awesome from a fans standpoint. We need to get more fans involved in this sport, especially locally, especially in this region. We need to fill the grandstand. So someone's going to do it. I. I think it'd be pretty cool to go to the Whistler 100 and have a final four in the, in the late model class and or mods and whoever it may be and see who's going to win. Bert. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Wissota is your domain, so you guys do what you want. Well, I could just see you guys, guys just ripping Wissota if they did this and the driver that was leading got fourth. Yeah, I, I tell you, I, you know, the only person that's going to be upset about it is the person leading the points, right? And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that would be a very interesting deal. And, and, and Krauss is right. I mean, you know, somebody's going to try it 100%. Somebody is going to do it. And, I, you know, whether now, if it was Wasota, let's say Wasota did this, right? Would it be fair to be like, well, the Wasota 100s at I 94, that's where the, I mean, what an advantage if that's your freaking home track, right? Would oh, they right. almost have to take a track that is not necessarily a Wasota track where people don't run and say, we're going to get on even playing field here because it is a huge unfair advantage depending on the track. Imagine it being Viking Speedway, right? Half mile track. Half the freaking guys with soda don't even never been to a half mile, right? All of a sudden it gets down there and Kraus and Tannis and 
Bitson and Gertis are like, yeah, hell yeah, this is this is great, right? Everybody else is like, we're getting laughed. This is bullshit. So I mean, there's a lot of variables. Uh, it would, I think, you kind of have to find a little bit even ground there on what track it was going to be at. Bemidji flip flop the format. The street stocks go to Alex, but all the other class at Bemidji for that one. <laughs> Home of the chicken shack, baby. There it is, Tanya. Get on. Can you that, imagine them right? going for something like that at Bemidji? Holy. <laughs> so, Cross, let me ask you this: as a racer, you're running second in this deal, right? And all of them, I mean, it's top loaded on the money, and you're running second last lap. Just how hard do you pump the guy to take it over and win it on the last lap? Why? Well, <laughs> you're uh, it'd be fist fight. You, you, you're punting the guy. Unless you're at that, and I, I tagged you in that Tri County deal. Did you watch that asphalt deal that I tagged you in? Where that leader act, they actually penalized that guy for taking that guy out, and the Quapple kid ended up winning it. There's a fight, people jumping on. It's pretty entertaining. It was fun to watch, but yeah, I know. I, with the no fault rule, you're going to, you know, that's one thing we didn't bring up was the purse Ryan at that race, and we talked about the purse at the at Eldora. To be, it's it's a joke. Uh, we talked about it, Ryan. That with a hundred thousand to win, and it was is it was it ten thousand for third or something? Yeah, twenty for second, ten for third. So I mean, it dropped like a lead balloon for sure. Yeah, and I know there's been multiple owners, um, uh, Shirley's owner, Viper Motorsports. They've all been coming out here lately, making posts on Facebook about these purses. Uh, they're too top heavy, top heavy, and. $3,000 doesn't start money, doesn't pay our bills. And uh, it's something that they, you need to look out for. So uh, I think you could uh, definitely going down the future. They got to make sure that they, they got to even out these purses um, to keep people involved and keep cars traveling down the road. But uh, yeah, I, you're coming for the, you know, coming for the, and uh, Hudson, I mean, I think was, he was going to, he was either wrecking everybody. He, and obviously he had no idea Brandon Shepard was going to run out of gas because he swerved down quick to the left when he saw that. But no, he was he was either wrecking Moran or wrecking himself or he was going to be in the fence and some other poor guy was probably going to get hit by Jason Figger. Spoiler, standing on the back <laughs> wall again. I don't know if you guys saw that post. Yeah, that, did, that. yeah that was uh, – did you see, though, uh, Jason Figger posted something today? I think it was today. Uh, the, the kid who got hit came to Figger's uh, uh, pit stall – and uh, Jason took off the end of the spoiler, the end piece, and signed it for him and gave it to him. Nice, nice. It's hard not to be a Jason Fager fan. So, Dirt Track World Championship epic event. Um, you guys talked about the topless at Ogilvy. Did you just did you touch on the winners of that event? Is that kind of what you did? Well, we didn't know all of them, did we? We got Door. Oh. We got Timmy. Jeremy, so door in the late model, Jeremy Nelson, uh, his fourth topless win that was in the in the modified. Brandon Duelman, uh, that dirt dueler, they, they had uh, four yeah. big invitational wins in the dirt dueler, including the 100, right? With uh, Dylan Nelson, but Brandon Duelman with a great run there. Midwest mods back to back for David Swearingen, Timmy Johnson and the Straders, of course, he's running the top two were IMCA stock cars, so they ran stock cars against the Streeters. Michael Winged Sprints, Mason Soybert went back-to-back, -back, uh, won last year and this year. Tommy Bowden won. Not only did he win the Fall Classic, which won him the national title, he won the topless as well. Hornets, Matthew Dittman got it done. Interesting to me, and I got a fan question here from John, okay? Shane Sabraski did not qualify in the Superstock. 
interesting. He uh, he did get a provisional, came from the back up to sixth or somewhere in there, modified. He had to go through the B there. And he goes, guys, I have the real reason. Everybody's wondering, why is Shane Men so slow on the modified, right, at invite time? Everybody's asking this. My phone's blowing up. <laughs> John messaged me, and he says, you got to tell the story here why Shane Sabraski has been so slow in the modified at invite time. Now, before we get into that, shout out to Fastlane Motorsports and Powder Coating in Ashland, Wisconsin, home of the Galloper chassis. Um, they do great fabricating, powder coating. My phone is just driving us nuts tonight, right? Um, best sponsor out there is for the best series in racing, the Northland Superstock Series. So check them out, Fastlane Motorsports and Powder Coating, Ashland, Wisconsin. So the real reason why the 7A has not been very good in the modified comes back to Labor Day weekend. He stole a win from Kennedy Swan. The racing gods did not like that. They said, <laughs> fuck this guy. He's not winning another invitational the rest of the year. <laughs> you heard it here first. That came from John. So it is literally karma. You steal a win from a 16 year old girl at invite time. You're done. Park the piece of crap. You're done. You're not winning anymore the rest of the year. Sell it. Get a new car. That car is cursed. That's why Shane sabraski has been so slow at invite time. So, weekly pickups, boys. Uh, brought to you by BuyRaceShirts.com. If you need hats, hoodies, t-shirts, any kind of apparel for your race team, your sponsor, your track, your series, whatever it is, four racers, by racers, Jordan and the crew down in Montevideo, do a great job at BuyRaceShirts.com. Last week's big winners and losers here, uh, the old 71A here, seven points. Got him so far freaking behind it. It just doesn't matter. Um, Dan had five points. Curtis and Bert had four. Mike and Kent had two. Jeff had one. And big, bad Brad got the goose egg. Brad, tip of the cap to you. Maybe we got to pick more NASCAR stuff for you so you can start getting some points again. Current standings. Curtis at 214. Bert. At 206, eight points behind. We got about a month and a half to go up to a gateway. You still got a shot to go three for three. Brad and Dan tied at 198. They're still in the hunt. Mike at 187. Kent at 184. I'm at 177. We just don't need to talk about that. Not so hot. Carl at 163 and his brother Jeff at 138. Guys, Carl is literally done picking for the year. He says, I'm, I'm just out. Jeff's at 138, his brother Carl at 163. Can Jeff catch his brother, even though his brother is no longer picking? No. Who's the over-under on that one? <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, I think he's going to struggle. So look ahead to this week's events. Uh, no local racing. Topless was the final race in our area. A um, little shout-out here, Zuli's Race Engines. Um, I tell you what, you want to – if you're looking ahead to 2024 and you want to compete at a high level, if you want to win races, if you want to win championships, what do you need? You need a good, fast, dependable engine underneath the hood. That's what they have to offer at Zuli's Race Engines. If you can't beat them, join them. National 100 this week, guys. East Alabama, 49,000. I know they it's Puka's show. He's a promoter down there. Um, I think they have 17 classes or something. I think they start at 10 a.m. or it's it's crazy, but 49,000 to win. No other real big late model stuff going on. And many, many, many of the heavy hitters are making the trip to East Alabama. That hasn't happened in a long time. Guys, 
this is a very long-standing event the national 100 there's been some very big name drivers that have won this over the years this could be the biggest event in national 100 history as far as um top tier drivers are concerned that is on uh what is it on hunt the front I think, I think it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's a hunt the front deal yeah 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 it's a hunt the, the points are done but it's a hunt the front show lucas oil mlra this weekend their finale at wheatland that's ten thousand a win for the late models USMTS, their final week of the year, Lakeside and 81 Speedway this week on Race and Dirt. Rocket Rodney Sanders has officially clinched the USMTS championship. $100,000 payday to the kind of Minnesota guy. And uh, the World Short Track Championships down at the dirt track in Charlotte. UMP Modifieds headlining that event, but an interesting name it looks like. Possibly racing in the six oh two late models. Puka, who's going to be behind the wheel there? Yeah, the Kentucky Colonel. Yeah, I saw that, Steve Francis, and I guess that car is owned by uh, the CEO of World Racing Group. What's uh, yes, yes, uh, uh, <laughs> Clark? Is it Clark? Is that what it is? Brian no. Clark. Brian. Carl's help us here, Brian. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, It'll, that's who Carter, owns it. Brian Carter is it Brian Carter? Carter? There you go. Yeah, Brian. There Carter. it is. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> so bad. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess he already tested, ran a couple laps like a last weekend or the weekend before or something like that. So uh, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, why yeah, not? That, that that'll be fun to see. We'll see the old. It's a six hundred two crate, so it's basically a B mod motor in a late model. So, but uh, that's basically their their C late model, so to speak, down south. So. The last lap here brought to you by our friends at Dirt Track Supply, Watertown, South Dakota, home of the Aero Chassis. Um, Ron and Trevor Anderson, they've had great storied careers in racing themselves, but they're passionate about the sport, passionate about helping others. They service many, many racetracks in the area. They're parts vendors. If you need tires, you need parts, safety equipment, advice, you need a new Aero Chassis, fab work, whatever it is, check them out. Dirt Track Supply, Watertown, South Dakota. So speaking of Princeton, Princeton dropped, of, of, of course, we all, they haven't dropped anything, but new promoter there. Mandan, though, Dakota Speedway in Mandan, North Dakota, dropping the Wissota Street Stock Division and switching over to the IMCA Stock Cars, essentially eliminating Wissota at the Dakota Speedway in Mandan. Krause, you got street stocks at the Viking Speedway. You're a little bit kind of in the know what's going on. Are you surprised that they made this decision prior to the annual Wasoda meetings? You know, because a big complaint was, you know, Burt transmissions, you know, this and that and the other. Are you surprised they didn't wait till after the annual meetings in November to make this decision? No, not really. I, I, from the sounds of it, didn't think they were real in tune with Wasoda anyway. They only had one class and it was it, it was a big class of theirs. It really was. They did have a, a really good uh, Wissota Street Stock class out there. So, no, not really. I think they were um, IMCA anyway. Um, you know, it's just another sanctioning fee, you know, with Wissota having, you know, technically having, you probably have to have a Wissota Tech guy, IMCA Tech guy. You, gotta, you know, it can be a little bit of a hassle, I could see, but not really the fact that they were only one class out there. Um, maybe they didn't want to be part of the deal and didn't want to be part of the uh, rules and send their stuff in. So, you know, dealing with IMCA and dealing with the soda, I could see that being a headache from a promoter. So I wasn't wasn't real surprised after doing a little investigating on that. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if them car counts go up or if they go down. Of course, everything to the west is IMCA. They do have Jamestown. They have Devil's Lake. You know, so there are uh, Lisbon, Wishick. So there's some Wasota tracks around, but they're also surrounded by IMCA. So it'll be interesting to see how that move works out. Um, Hunt the Front. We talked about Hunt the Front series. They announced today um, their points next year, guys, $50,000 to the winner of the 2024 championship of the Hunt the Front series. going to be interesting to see when the schedule comes out. Hopefully they work together, don't schedule on top. Um, as you know, you know, Bobby Pierce leading, of course, he locked up the World of Outlaws. He's leading the XR. He's leading the Castro Flow Racing Night in America. He has a legit shot to win three championships in one year. Could a person win four if this one comes in? <laughs> just depends how the schedules work out. Want to give a quick shout out here to uh, my buddy's kid, uh, Andy Hofte, used to pit for me a little bit. His twelve-year-old uh, son, tip of the cap here, Clayton Hofte. He actually won the Minnesota Micro Series Championship. He was the Rookie of the Year in the series. Won the Junior Wing Cart Championship at Ogilvy. Now here's the deal: he wanted a kind of a little bit of a dig. Now this kid's twelve years old, right? Puka, do you know who got third in the Minnesota Micro Series Championship point standings? Law. I got to be honest. Would you feel like a jackass as a 50-year-old guy losing to a 12-year-old in the point standings? <laughs> Polly, come on, man. Like, That's I, a stab I mean, at the dark. It really was him? It was him. I knew it he had him. something like that going on. So I'm going to see Polly tomorrow. <laughs> You're going to have to give him some okay. grief, man. Say, Polly, third place in the points he lost to a 12-year-old kid. What are we doing here, guy? So, But congratulations to Clayton Hoffegg. Um, silly season is here, right? Lots of stuff going on. I know that Kraus might have a thing or two down in his area. Tucker Peterson had a great run in the Wasota Street, finished third in the national standing, second generation driver. His dad, Joey Peterson, very accomplished. Tucker Peterson moving to the Wasota Late Models for 2024. Good luck to him. Um, Kraus, you can maybe confirm this. Ryan Satter officially going super stock racing in 24, isn't he? Yeah, correct. And, um, I believe possibly Eric Riley. Um, oh. he's, he's contacted me about my other turbine or possibly getting in a turbine because um, Jeff Flatten's still building those. Yep. Um, so he'd been snooping around and knew I had, you know, my car my cousin runs is a newer turbine. So um, the flips, I don't know. There's been some, maybe that whole crew has been, you know, Vogel had that one car he bought from Trevor Nelson. I know he sold that. Um, so there's been some talk there, some people getting them in there. So it's interesting to see Satter, you know, all those guys run together. So um, it, it'd be nice. We need some more supers down in this area for sure. So other than that, I, have, I haven't heard much, but uh, just some super stock talk. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what Volga does. The Reaper, Ryan Gustin, he's making the switch from Longhorn. He's or to Longhorn, right? Of course, he was at a rocket going into a Longhorn, going to race for Todd Cooney, the Coon Dog. I'm going to follow the World of Outlaw Late Model Series again in 2024. And another one came out uh, today or yesterday. Did you see what uh, Tanner English is up to for 2024? He's jumping into, I believe it's called a BMF chassis. And that is built. The builder of that is Bruce Built. I don't know his last name, but it's Bruce Built. But Corey Hedgecock, that's his chassis, is Corey Hedgecock. So Tanner English, he was in a Longhorn, wasn't he? So yeah. jumping out of a Longhorn into a BMF, Corey Hedgecock gets it on the track well. He uh, when when he raced against the Outlaws and stuff, he was legit fast. So I don't know if he's going to take a step back, step forward, but I think he's going to be just fine. 
Anything else on anything going on in eastern Wisconsin? Anybody moving there? Puka, anything up on the range? You guys hear anybody um, else moving and shaking? I, don't know. I haven't heard of anybody moving, but uh, there are uh, two racetracks right now. For all you uh, people who think that you know how to run a racetrack, um, there are two racetracks that are looking for promoters in eastern Wisconsin. Uh, the Hill in Sturgeon Bay and um, the Berg in Luxembourg. Uh, they're both county-owned tracks, so the county has uh, sent out uh, requests for proposals for uh, uh, parties interested in promoting those two tracks. So uh, hopefully they can find promoter for each of them because it it would it would suck to lose you know two tracks in one year. Yeah, that's no kidding right there. I do have one more one more here. So at the end of the year at I believe it was a fall classic, um Don Smith was in an A mod this year up in Grand Rapids. Charlie Castle was in a B mod. They swapped cars. Okay, so Charlie Castle going to an A mod, it looks like for twenty twenty four, the B mod went to Don Smith. Don Smith sounds like he's not racing. His son Jake Smith, who had his best year, had a really good year this year. Going to be running, I believe, in the Midwest Modified Division. So a little shake up there on the Iron Range, including, of course, Johnny Broking to a late model as well. Uh, quick reminder, apparel, jump onto our Facebook page. we got a link there. Um, Puka, maybe you can take and slide that to the top and tag it so people can uh, get her get her apparel link. Well, let's jump into our last segment of the show, guys. Three bold predictions, little accountability session here. First off the board from last week. So, Bert, you said that Bloomer was going to qualify for the Dirt Track World Championship and get stuck at the gate. Well, he didn't qualify. <laughs> there was a Bloomer story, though, because he's laying in bed interviewing him. It sounds like he dropped a piece of steel on his feet and won't cut his toes off. Bloomer doing Bloomer things, right? But he uh, he he was pretty quick in, in practice, but he just uh, did not make the show. Um, you also said Matt Coster was going to win the Keystone Cup. He did not. He did get. He was in the top five. I think he got fourth. Episode one sixty five. You said Superman Jonathan Davenport would win the Lucas Oil Series. That did not happen. Episode one ninety seven. Kind of a bad beat. A little bit on this one. You said RTJ was going to finish fourth in the Lucas standings. If JD doesn't pull off with a handful of laps to go there, that was going to be the case. So a bad beat there for Bert. I had a few here come off the board. Episode 165, I said the driver leading in points in the Lucas Oil Late Model Series going into that final night would not be the champion. As we know, Hudson O'Neill, your champion, RTJ on the outside looking in. Episode 198, I said Brad Sweet was going to lead by 40 or less. I said David Gravel is going to cut into that. Well, if they wouldn't have left him, you know, let him rebuild his entire car, that would have happened, but he's 50 points ahead going into the world finals. Three features um, would be won at the topless nationals by 2023 national champions. That did not happen. Um, and I said Rodney Sanders and Jake Tim would go one, two, one way or the other in the A main. Um, Jake Tim did get second. Sanders, I think, got third or fourth. The winner, of course, was Kate Dillard. So that did not happen. And I said RTJ and Bobby Pierce would both miss the podium at the Dirt Track World Championship. And that did happen. A couple here uh, for uh, we got good Jeff here. We got good Jeff. He said Bloomer would make the Dirt Track World Championship without using a provisional. That did not happen. 
And he said Bobby Pierce would cost RTJ the championship and then RTJ would get him back in the flow race. Now, guys, I'll be honest. When that when when that mayhem happened, Pierce got caught up in it. I didn't catch what happened initially. I looked. I'm like, holy shit, was he right? Well, he was not. Pierce did not cause that deal, so that was wrong. Coach Krause, you had a few come off the board here this week. Donnie Shocks, two podiums at Devil's Bowl. One, you got a ninth and a third. Number Night number one didn't go so well. You said there would be a fist fight at the topless. I, I didn't hear anything. Did you hear anything? I, I haven't heard nothing. <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm disappointed. Uh, they, they're too busy partying and decorating their race cars over there to fight. Yeah, that that's that sucks. That, they they got to get some more character in that track so crazy shit can happen like that. Um, you also said that uh, Dale McDowell would win the Dirt Track World Championship and RTJ would DNF. That did not happen. And then uh, Kenny Barber here had a couple for us. He said uh, Devin Moran would be the uh, – he said uh, Bloomer wins the Dirt Track World Championship and RTJ wins the points. That did not happen. And he's got another one that will come off the board a little bit later. And then my buddy Jim said Devin Moran would win the championship and Bobby Pierce would win the A-Main. That also did not happen. So – our standings right now, guys. Bert, you're at 37.1% correct. I am at 40.2. Coach and the listeners at 18.5. Got a little work to do. Guys, you're going to have to put some bunts down here. Get yourself back up in the game here, right? We're going to end this at the end of the year, start a fresh season next year. So see what we can make. So this week, what we're going to do is we got several of us here. I, I do have a, a one from a, from one of our viewers. Good Jeff sent me some picks as well. We'll make three laps around the track. We're going to make three bold, sometimes not so bold predictions, racing-related or show-related typically. Um, it's The only rule is it's got to be something that either flat-out did happen or did not happen, not necessarily an opinion-based deal. So we'll start with Bert. We'll go Bert, Kraus, Puka. Then we got good Jeff and myself to cap things off. Bert, what's your first of three? Uh, my first is... The World of Outlaw Dirt Late Model Series will go with some sort of chase format for the championship next year. You probably sniped all of us here on that one. So <laughs> World of Outlaw Late Models going with some kind of a chase format in 2024. All right, Coach Kraus? We're going to go... Um... I'm going with uh, Dan Ebert will get uh, one podium this weekend out of the two two shows in um, third down. I was actually just texting Dan and Jeremy Nelson, and I guess the weather looks absolutely horrible down there. So they're all kind of hanging on and don't know what's going to go down. But I'm going to take uh, Ebert will get one uh, podium this week. Okay. Puka. I'm going to go with uh, World Finals, Donnie Shots, podium. Are they three nights? Is it two nights or three nights? It's three nights still, right? Three. All three nights podium. All three nights podium for he's Donnie's shots. That's his place. He does run good there. He does run good there. All right. So good, Jeff. He said that Brad Sweet will leave the World of Outlaws in 2024 and will follow the All Star Sprint Car Series. That was from Good Jeff. (laughs) <laughs> and then I'm going to go down to USMTS Racing as well 
Let me go Jake Tim. Jake Tim is going to finish on the podium both nights. If if it happens this weekend, right, you got, what is it, Lakeside and 81 Speedway, Jake Tim will be on the podium. He's been really good here at the end of the year. Bert, back to you. Um, I'm going to go MLRA action and say um, there will be two Simpsons on the podium uh, for the feature of the the MLA, MLRA feature. Bart and Homer. All right. Bart and Homer <laughs> on the podium. Chad and Chris, I'm guessing. All right. Coach Rose. We're going to go um, – I'm going to go – Dennis Herb Jr. is going to get a podium at East Alabama. Ooh. At East Alabama. All right. All right. That would be good to see. Okay. I'm going to stick with the sprint cars since we're all having fun with this chase format and the, they're going to feel a little bit of heat coming from high limit. The world of all last sprint cars are going to go to a chase format for 2024. Wow. Oh, having fun. Wow. They're watching that race, right? They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they want to get in on the fun. They can differentiate a little bit. Right, let's stick with sprint car action here for good Jeff. So he mentioned that uh, Brad Sweet was going will leave the World of Outlaws, go to the All Star, whatever it's going to be, the High Limit All Stars or whatever they're going to name it, right? But he said that not only Brad Sweet but two additional CA Posse drivers will leave the World of Outlaws series that are currently running World of Outlaws, and they will follow him and also. Um, focus on the All-Stars in 2024. So I am going to go... I'm going to go to Charlotte. I'm going to go to Charlotte for the World Short Track Championship this, this coming weekend. UMP modifies a driver that has his own chassis company will win the A-Main this weekend in the modifies at Charlotte. Interesting. Bert, your third and final lap. I will go to East Alabama and um, say RTJ rebounds and wins that feature. Okay. Coach Kraus? We're going to uh, East Alabama again. Um, probably going to hope you're going to start on the front row because uh, – I don't. I, few, you remember that race a few years ago, Ryan? How rubbered up that track was. I mean, it was an absolute. It was. It I was think the winner changed tires, right? I think everybody's tight, right rear went flat. Everybody was coming in, so I'm super pumped. Puka, they're running Crown Vicks at East Alabama, and then I, I think the Road Warriors. I don't know what kind of class that is, but I'm excited to uh, watch <laughs> them guys. And then they, I'm pretty sure they run the Outlaw Hornets there. Wait, I mean, they probably turn faster lap times than the late models, but uh, we're, go we're, we're going bold. I mean, come on, Bert, that's not bold. You want to hear bold? Joseph Joyner. <laughs> Joseph Joyner is going to win East Alabama. That's bold. All right. All right. Joseph All right. Joyner. He's won a few big ones. Actually, you can win that one. Okay. Right. I'm going with the one to go show. Ryan Aho is 200 episodes strong in a row. He will go to 400 before he misses a show. So he's 200 in. He's got a two, <laughs> other 200 to go. This guy's the Iron Man. He just won't stop. 200 more to go. And incidentally, fans, we are this week will start year five for us. The week before 
Halloween is when we started in 2019. So that's how long it takes to get to 200 episodes, I guess. <laughs> so you're pushing that out four more years. All right. yeah. so I guess I guess has got yeah, four more don't, years. Yeah, don't don't Not forget this one. Leave it on there. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what. So I won't miss the show. I, I might skip next week just to pimp you on that one. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> All right, we got good Jeff here, and he's kind of sticking with the RTJ theme, but a little enhanced on what Bert had. Bert said that RTJ is going to rebound win. Good Jeff said RTJ is going to not only win, but he will have fast time, win the heat, and win the feature. So, we'll see who can keep their right rear tire. Hoosier's going to win. That's who's going to win. Hoosier tire will win at East Alabama. So is, this the event? My... is this the event where they start hot lapping at like 9 o'clock in the morning? I'm pretty sure it's no, 10 a.m. Sure. or 9 a.m. or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's, Yeah, crazy, right? So, I got a couple of them here, and I'm going to go Tanner English. He's making the switch, right? Everybody's seems like everybody's going to Longhorn. Rocket, incidentally, Rocket won the Lucas Oil points. I'm just going to go ahead and point that out for Bert um, and for Brad, because Brad's a, Brad's a big fan of the format, according to our group text today. He was pretty fired up about that. <laughs> so Rocket won. But Rocket and Longhorn, I mean, it's, let's just be honest, right? Rocket and Longhorn is kind of like pretty much dominated not pretty much. They flat out dominated the year, right? Tanner English, good wheel man. He's he's good driver, and Corey Hedgecock has won a lot of races in those cars. Tanner English will win at least ten A mains in his BMF chassis in twenty twenty four. Wow, that's a bold. So, yep. So there, there we have it. Uh, I, Tell you what, uh, Puka, good to have you back. 200 episodes strong here and uh, and rolling. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. But, Puka, why don't you go ahead and bring Take us home? All right, I will do. So you can find us all on, on uh, Facebook, uh, at Bert Lehman, at Ryan Aho, at Racer Puka. Women have been asking about your uh, Facebook handle, Carl. What is it? My Facebook handle? I don't even yeah. know what a Facebook handle is. Well, what, 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 is it just Jeff Krause on Facebook? It's just Jeff Krause. And or uh, I'm pretty sure I have a Krause 29 racing page since I do have uh, uh, I got two super stocks and a Hornet in the um, in the family now at the racetrack. So we're our, our um, racing program is, is still um, growing. All right. So there you go, ladies. You can like both of those pages. Uh, for Coach Krause. Uh, of course, like, subscribe, share the show. A lot of good stuff tonight. As always, Ryan touched on Merchant Swag. Um, greatest partners in the world, Dirt Track Supply, Brad Parsons, Soil and Egg Solutions, Zuli's Race Engines, BuyRayShirts.com, Impact Kel Sharing, Fastlane Motorsports and Powder Coating, Daytona One, Dirt Race Central, uh, Mason Aaron's Videos. Again, you know, happy birthday to the One to Go Show. Thank you so much um, for everybody that supported us and, and helped us get this far, episode 200. Uh, the one to go show at gmail.com. And we like your emails. We're getting emails all the time. We're getting more and more all the time. Uh, send us news, pictures, videos. You see something crazy going on at the track. We'd, we, you know, we'd love to see that too. Hit us up, Spotify, TikTok, Snap, Facebook, YouTube. Anything else, boys, on episode 200? That's all it. Right. Racing, racing is dying down, but there really is no off season anymore. No, there really isn't. So for Ryan Aho, for Bert Lehman, for Jeff Carlson, I am Puka. Get out there and be your dream. You're tuned to the One to Go show.